Hale Varsity Radio every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. On Thursday, show from counterread.com, Brandon Vogel, former Colorado football head coach Gary Barnett, and staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman, that and more. Hale Varsity Radio is the best sports talk radio show around. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal have you covered every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. with Hale Varsity Radio. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Now, gas station coffee enthusiast and Nebraska writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman. It's great to see you. It's been a, since a cold day in the corner of Memorial Stadium. Right <laughs> Mitch Sherman. I wrote that down because I'm going to use it in life. Mitch Sherman. It's not something that you generally hear, and it's certainly not something that you see put into action. Mitch Sherman. It's a lot more rare than you might think that they actually say it in the way that he says it and then go do it. Here is Mitch Sherman. Kicking off hour number two here at Herd at Sports Radio. I'm Robbie Lula, DB here with me. We're live on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. As long as, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. What's up, 308? Everybody not named Matt Burzel. We uh, have a lively debate going on in the YouTube comments about uh, Derek Jeter being overrated, and I am here for it. Um, you guys are so unbelievable. It, oh. it, it's like the worst trendy narrative to hate. My favorite is this. If, it makes you feel- uh, if he played in Kansas City, he would just be another guy. No kidding. Market matters. So does handling the pressure. Stop it. If it makes you Stop feel it. any better, I've disliked Derek Jeter for well over 25 years at this point. So It's laughable. You guys are going to try to tell me this guy's not a top five shortstop of all time. I'm uh, limited range into the whole. Oh, I, yep, fan. yep, yep. You read out of the yeah, same books saying, as the rest of these weirdos. Saying, if, he, if he had range to the hole, he wouldn't have had to jump every time. Oh, um, all right, coming up on the War Horse Sportsbook <laughs> Hotline wow. is our guy, Mitch <laughs> Sherman. Mitch, how are you this morning? Fudge. I'm good. I'm just choking on some coffee here. Uh, uh, listen, that. Mitch, I apologize. He's going to try to light this fuse and move on. This is one of the <laughs> dumbest discussions. I, like, you may not think he's the – Derek Jeter is the best, the greatest, but to say he's not top five, six shortstops of all time is ludicrous. It's ludicrous. And don't give me the market thing. Okay? The, the, hey, what about run saved? What about – Okay. <laughs> Okay, okay, guys. I'm just saying he's like a career 800 OPS guy now. Like, yeah, here we go. Not, yeah, that's here, here not that we, impressed. Here we go. Not that impressive. Yeah. yeah you, you take Tatis and I'll win. Mitch, how are you this morning? <laughs> All right. Am I back? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're off to a solid start here. You All love right. baseball. Like, I'm, I'm curious. Like, Yeah, I'm, I got tears coming down out of this, uh, out of this eye because I took a sip of coffee and I went down the wrong. All right. Yeah, he's one of the top five or six greatest shortstops of all time. And I put into um, Thank you. into my uh, consideration just the fact that he won championships. And sure, that's got a lot to do with the uh, the organization that he was a part of. But he was the leader of that group, right? I mean, he was the he was the guy that was driving them to the to the championships. He was the one who was making the incredible plays and, and shoveling the ball to the catcher on the on the relay throw. So. 
um, yeah, the ultimate, the ultimate gamer, ultimate competitor. Um, I think whatever, whatever team he was a part of would have been successful, um, within reason. And, uh, I put him, I put him, I think top five or six is, is like probably a disservice to Derek Jeter. He's top two or three. So if Jeremy Giambi learns how to slide, we're not having this conversation. Somebody with some sense. But I've liked Mitch. I mean, I don't over, care about the over stats half, too over, much. But over the half my life. Right, right, right. The stats are fine. <laughs> oh, my God. They're fine. 3,000 hits, right? Yeah. He's a compiler. He's a compiler. <laughs> Congratulations. He was he was pretty good for a really long time. Compiler. I, 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 what does that even mean? The delivery. I love it. For a long time, had a ton of success. Let's just, let's just discredit him for he that. Had a, let's go. He had a medium amount of success for a very long time. Yeah, Derek Jeter and Monica amount of success. Those things go together. Just a lot of blaspheming going on. Cause I'm it's, starting to get more and more fired up about this. I was. Too, it's just on. popular yeah. to hate on him for – the. to be clear – hold on. To be clear <laughs> – I only hate him because I'm a Red Sox fan. <laughs> okay. I don't actually – like, I don't – I'm not going to actually sit here and be like, I don't think Derek Jeter is very good. Uh, but it's fun because I know it bothers DB. So. <laughs> so I have what? no reason to like him as a Royals fan. Uh, but, I mean, I can't help but respect the guy. I mean, he's the ultimate – it's the ultimate respect. Like, Derek Jeter, he's got the, he's got the meme with the, with the respect, right? With That's, the kid and the hat. Uh, yeah, right. He's he's. Uh, that might be the best moment of Derek Jeter's career, though. Honestly, for being honest. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> Mitch, I'm almost afraid to. I'm gonna ask you because you're smart, right? But I'm I'm afraid this could dominate the your segment, and there's a lot of things I want to get to. But I want to talk big picture here with the playoff expansion, and kind of these power conferences emerging. And, Phil, you can stop me at any time. You can disagree, agree, because – and maybe I'm hearing what I want to hear, right? But for two years now, Trev has talked about positioning themselves in the Big Ten, right? Um, you know, payouts, structure, wanting to be a valuable commodity. Um, he, You know, he said on Husker Radio Network, and everybody was like <gasps> – you know, he intimated, all but said, conference expansion is not done. Um, mm-hmm. What he's tried to do with NIL and whether it goes in-house or not. Are, do you, are you seeing the direction that this is going with the power two, maybe a, maybe a power three, and how they're already positioning themselves so they don't have to potentially get this into courts if there can be an agreement amongst the infrastructure because it seems like the quiet part is these other conferences seem to be conceding i'm like this is really happening this is it looks like a power move to like be its own to be a new continent right like this is a this a real tangible thing yeah i don't think uh, of all people i don't think Trev has not attempted to hide in any way what's what he sees yep. as far as what's going on. I mean, he's upfront about the fact that Nebraska, his job has been to put Nebraska in the right place. And that's within the Big Ten as the Big Ten consolidates power, is a part of the consolidation of power in college football. So the league has leverage and... It's not afraid to use that leverage. 
it's it, there, there's no secrets here. It's not like this is something that's going on, um, and you know, but well, it is behind closed doors, like the the it literally behind closed doors, but figuratively, it's happening in front of all of us. Like the Big Ten went out and hired Tony Petiti. There was no secret there. Like they're hiring Tony Petiti because he's been an executive in television and has more experience than anyone they're going to get in that spot to be able to position the Big Ten to just make more money and earn more money and gain more power and 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 then put its schools, the, the presidents of these schools who chose him, chose him so he could sit at the negotiating table and position the Big Ten to be the most powerful conference in college sports or one of the two most powerful conferences in college sports with the SEC and partner with the SEC to basically bully everyone into doing what the Big Ten wants and what suits the Big Ten the best. So I, I guess I don't mind the fact that they're just upfront about it. Like, this is what's happening. I mean, we, I, don't, I don't think anybody should act like it's a surprise that the Big Ten and the SEC are using the leverage that everyone has known and, and has seen for years now that they are gathering. We're talking with Mitch Irwin from The Athletic. Mitch, so I, I mean, the, the threat here, right, is that the Big Ten and SEC just goes off on their own, right, and that they take their money with them and the ACC and Big 12 are better off having a smaller piece of the pie than being cut out completely, right? Like that's the, the leverage play they're threatening. Yeah, the leverage is that they can do whatever they want because they have so much so much authority and so much power. And they can just declare um, that they're forming an alliance and that the powers in college football will have to, to listen to them because they've got so many of the um, name brands within their within their group. So whether that is a threat that they're going to go off on their own, or it's just a threat that they're going to make everybody come along for the ride and, and, you know, keep them, um, keep them along, but, but say, okay, well, you don't get the first round buys or you don't get the, um, you don't get the same amount of automatic bids or whatever other criteria they decide to come up with down the road that, uh, keeps, keeps schools that aren't in the big 10 and the sec at arm's length, um, that's I suppose that's the threat. I don't know that it means they're going to go off and form a separate a separate chapter, a separate group and exclude everyone else. Um, at this point, I don't think that that is in the best interest of even the schools within those two conferences. But um, maybe down the road, it will be if they continue to rise above and separate themselves in terms of the financial power and, and competitive balance uh, within the sport. Mitch, so you mentioned kind of the, the conference powers and things like that. With the agreements, quote unquote, that have been in place for both the structure of the 12 team and sort of the um, sort of the, uh, the speculation about what a 14 or 16 team might like might look like. Are you inclined to believe that Notre Dame sooner rather than later ends up being a part of a conference because they've signed off on some things that if they plan to stay independent, don't make a whole lot of sense for them? I think that's part of the leverage. That's part of the leverage that the, the, the power play that the, these two conferences are embarking on right 100%. now is, you know, there's a number of things that they're trying to get done. And, you know, they could Petiti and Greg Sankey can go into a closed session and discuss, you know, what are their priorities? And, and one of those priorities 
is to make Notre Dame come on board. And yeah, the way that they've structured some of these proposals would have you believe that they're trying to put pressure on Notre Dame, you know, say, hey, you're never going to get a first round by, you know, we're going to make it more difficult for you to even get in the playoff. You're probably going to have to go through the regular season undefeated or with one loss just in order to get consideration because these teams that are in conferences, especially if you're in one of these two major conferences, you're going to have a significant advantage, not only on getting selected, but then you're going to get treated better once you get in the door and get in the playoff. So Notre Dame could say, Hey, forget that. You know, we're going to keep playing our game, keep doing what we're doing. We're going to be independent. You know, we'll, we'll make it work. Or they can make life easier on themselves and potentially make a lot more money um, by coming on and, and, and joining one of the, the two major, major leagues. Um, who knows? I mean, that opportunity is certainly there for them now. It may not be five, seven years from now. Yeah, it's interesting because I, <clears throat> I, I floated this to, to Ravi last week when he, he's like, gosh, with this vote, it needed to be unanimous and Notre Dame voted. They're basically, in essence, saying we're cool with a six seed, right? And I'm like, uh, they're going to be in a conference. And I look, so I went back, just laughs and giggles. I looked at their schedule. Like, they're on paper, their toughest opponent next year is probably Louisville. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know how this would play, like, in, a, in an isolated situation without being aligned in a conference going forward for a team like. Notre Dame like there has to be another mm-hmm. ace in the you know there's gotta be another shooter there's drop. gotta be another yeah. something in their sleeve for this to be happening well the whole model of college football is becoming like a professional sport obviously you know, I, I, I don't I don't need to tell you that so imagine if there was a an organization in the NFL or you know in the English Premier League which I'm not an expert on but I hear from my colleagues that uh, college football is starting to look more like European soccer or specifically the EPL than, than any other structure out there. So if there was a, if there was one power team within one of those leagues, like let's just say the NFL, cause I know that landscape better. And they said, well, we don't want to be a part of the AFC or the NFC. We're just going to be separate. Like that wouldn't work. You know, you can't do that. And Notre Dame can do it now and maybe for the next couple of years, but at some point, you're going to have to conform and you're going to have to jump on board with, with the, uh, um, you know, the structure in place that the Big Ten and the SEC are essentially building. Okay, that's good. So going forward, let's say, let's say obviously this is right. It's unfolding right between our eyes. Are, school, are the individual schools within the conference going to have to figure out what they're going to how they're going to play their other respective sports, or are all sports going to be in the deal across the board with this philosophy? I think ultimately football is just a different a different setup. I could see, and 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 this is just how I see it today. It could be completely wrong in three years or five years, but I think it's I don't think it's best for basketball and all the other sports to follow the lead of football and follow this model. What works for football doesn't necessarily work for the other sports. And we're, we're definitely already seeing that with the way that conference expansion and realignment has worked. It doesn't work best for field hockey when Stanford is in the ACC mm-hmm. or even if when Oregon is in the Big Ten or when West Virginia is in the Big 12. And 
I, you know, I understand that all of those schools don't sponsor field hockey. You know what I mean? Baseball, right. yeah. volleyball. It just doesn't work best. So I think at some point, football, the pro model of college football that we're seeing is going to have to be a different organization. It's already under different leadership when it comes to the postseason. And that's where the money is made. So it's to me, it's inevitable that it that it's it breaks off and it separates and there's a different structure a different landscape you know the 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 way that that schedules are made and teams are aligned are different in the sport of football than they are in all of the other sports we probably see something similar to what exists now or what even what existed a generation ago i mean you could go back to like the big eight setup for um, sports other than football. Let's take conference realignment and and put it in rewind, and then use that system for your your basketball and everything on down the revenue list, and just let football continue to go where it's going to go. I just it just seems like these ads and presidents are jockeying behind the scenes just to keep this thing from going to court, right? Like that they're working way ahead of us. But let me and I knew this was going to ha- this what happens when you ask smart people questions. <laughs> I'm going to ask one more about this, and then I'm going to try to get off in case people don't want to. So with regards to kind of this model and and the way that it's going, and I don't want my pound of flesh, but I was a big – I I was very anti-expansion without – excuse me – uniformity amongst the conferences. Like I I felt like potentially this was going to be a recipe for disaster, and people were like, ah, D.B., you're anti-expansion. I said, no, I'm anti-getting to play by your own rules, right? You're just letting anybody into the dance without a certain kind of dress code. It's, it's going to be anarchy. If, I, if it would have gone the way that I wanted to, was I, would I just have been prolonging the inevitable? Or were there be, were, would there be more of an opportunity for the SEC and the Big Ten to not be as big of bullies as they're coming across now? If, uh, if, if we hadn't if, gone down this road with conference if, expansion, if, if we if we just would have had a little more uniformity bef- within the conferences before we started talking expansion, okay. would it have just slowed down the pro? Or we would I just prolong the inevitable, or maybe could we have avoided some of this? I don't know that there was any way to avoid this. I think it was. I, I'm I'm in the camp that it was inevitable because these conferences and the, the universities behind the decisions, the, the presidents, the people who, who sit in those meetings and select the, the conference commissioners that they want to go to the bargaining table, they were always going to do what was going to make them the most money. Mm. It's, it's as simple as, as follow the money on, on really all of these decisions that have been made about expansion and the playoff and the future of college football. So I think it was I think it was inevitable that we were going to get to some version of this place that we are now. I I, I don't know that there's anything that could have stopped it. If you had uniformity within the conference and everybody had a you know the same number of, of teams and or, or at least or at least conference schedule. games and league schedule. Right? Yeah, like, schedule is what I was thinking. That's that's where the uniformity doesn't exist right now between the Big Ten and the SEC. And I, hey, di- probably different conversation, but they're going to have to get on the same page. If 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 these two leagues are going to be in in 
lockstep and, and run the whole show? Well, they, they can't have um, different structures. You know, what if the what, what if maybe it's baseball is a bad example because there isn't there hasn't always been uniformity between the National League and the American League. But what if what if in, in football the, the the NFC played a different number of division games than the AFC? It, it, it you know, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. I I, I think. Whenever, but along those lines, I, though, you're right because that is why the DH is now right, thing right. in the and National I, I started League. to say baseball, and then I realized that. <laughs> that but that's pretty good. Ball. That's yeah. I mean, it yeah. makes the, that's, that's, that's the, the analogy kind of does kind of work. The, that's the equivalent of what we're dealing with here. Yeah. And look, it's gone now. So they they had to they had to eventually go to uniformity in in baseball. I think it'll it'll happen a lot sooner. Um, we'll we'll, we'll we're not going to go down a road where. Um, the opposite of uniformity exists in college football for nearly as long as it as it did in Major League Baseball. Uh, we're talking with Mitch Sherman of The Athletic. Got a few minutes left here with you, Mitch. A question that DB and I were tossing around yesterday was kind of surrounding this level of trust that the fan base has in Matt Rule and whether or not that trust would oh. extend to someone else besides Dylan Rayola starting at quarterback on August 31st. How, how do you look at that situation? Because right now, Rule can basically do no wrong. If somebody besides DR walks out there on August 31st, how long do you think that attitude prevails? As long as they stay undefeated. Uh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, that's the answer, but... It depends it, what it looks also, like, right? Yeah, it depends on what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, it's, right. It's also what does it look like and who is that quarterback? Is that quarterback in the program right now um because then you have to ask yourself well what was this what was this the uh what was the scenario that led to someone other than dylan rayola being the starting quarterback in week one is it because of an injury um is you know what what happened um and if it's something out of your control like an injury yeah that's then different. you have to adjust and you know maybe nebraska would have to look in the portal and if you find a guy there then um, okay. And, you know, I think I could see the, the, the fan base still having confidence in the coach to work with what he has, but, um, it would be a different feeling. It'd be a different vibe around Lincoln. If that were to happen, um, you know, on a much larger scale, <clears throat> like similar to what's going on with Ronda Ravel and Nebraska softball, that's the kind of excitement, um, that exists for, Nebraska football with Dylan Rayola. It's like he's the, you know, <laughs> Jordy Ball. She's the in Dylan Rayola. There's there's a, you know, there's there's some parallels there. Imagine if Dylan, you know, got hurt one series into the first game of the year, um, and just what a let what a giant letdown that would be. And I understand that you know, one of these two athletes is way more accomplished at the college level than the other, but that doesn't change the fact that the same fandom same, is, fan, sim- is is fandom. S- similar amount of hype exists around both of them. Mitch, so. could you just knock on some wood there when you I say did. that? I did. I, I tapped. I, <laughs> I got it right I, here. I, I Thank tapped, you. <laughs> I tapped on my head because, and what prompted the question was, it's like, well, we say we trust him, so what if something but do happened? we really? But do we really? Yeah. Because yeah. I said I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that would move my needle if if, if Rayola didn't start and eaten. Ravi immediately goes, well, that's the coach in you because the fan base would be pissed. Oh, the fan base would lose their minds, right? Like, like fan base would lose Well, I it. thought we said we trusted him. Well, we trusted like him. If they just, so if that they prompted just, the question. Like, let's say Heinrich Harburger or, or uh, Danny Kahle just, just beat him. The job. Just beat him out. Wins, wins the job. I, yeah, I think that would, that, would, that would shake the confidence of Husker Nation a little bit. Like, People would what, lose their what minds. What have we been talking about? 
what have we been losing our minds over for the last <laughs> yeah. 16 okay. months okay. when it comes to Dylan Rayola? He's not actually the guy to go out there and take the first snap. It would it would take a, an adjustment of, of attitude. But again, it's all going to come down to what it looks like on the field. Mitch, your range never, ever, ever disappoints. That's Mitch, Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Mitch, we appreciate it as always. And, uh, well, you know, I'm sure we can get into your, your Derek Jeter apologism Stop later. It. Stop it. Uh, but it's we appreciate your time. Get him, Mitch. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> That's Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Mike Sauter here on Earth Sports Radio. Hail Varsity Radio, every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. On Thursday, show from counterread.com, Brandon Vogel, former Colorado football head coach Gary Barnett, and staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman, that and more. Hail Varsity Radio is the best sports talk radio show around. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal have you covered every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. with Hail Varsity Radio.